there. Welcome to another life-transforming sermon with Dr. Dazwit Achero. The power of God's presence. And I will just do a very quick recap. We've been looking at the characteristics of God's presence. And number one, God's presence is omnipresent. That means God's presence is everywhere. Number two, God's presence is personal. We saw, you know, individuals experiencing God's presence on a personal level. One of them is Jacob. Another one is Moses. And, of course, Daniel and his companions. They experienced God's presence on a personal level. So you can actually experience his presence on a personal level. Now, number three, I want to continue. Number three, God's presence is practical. God's presence is practical. God's presence is not mystical. It is practical. It is not cryptic. It is practical. It is not unfathomable. It is practical. That means every child of God can experience God's presence in his day-to-day you know, activities. The presence of God is so practical that you and I have the opportunity and the privilege of experiencing it. Look at your neighbor and tell them you can experience the presence of God. So the presence of God is not just uh, something that we wait to go to heaven for us to experience it. Even here, while we are still here on earth, we can actually experience the presence of God. You can experience the presence of God in your car. You can experience the presence of God in your house. You can experience the presence of God while you're walking. You can experience the presence of God in your office. Where you are, if you're hungry enough and you position yourself strategically, spiritually, then you are able to experience the presence of God. Now, the more you desire and experience the practicality of God's presence, the more you become aware of it. Let me say that again. The more you desire and experience the practicality of God's presence, the more you become aware of it. You see, God does not want you, you know, to think that he's mystical in his ways. God wants you to know that he's practical in the way he operates as far as our lives are concerned. And that's why the Bible says he has to humble himself. He will humble himself and ensure that his presence comes to where you were and it becomes practical to what you are experiencing in life as a human being. Because God knows you live in a real world. He knows you're not, you're, you're not living you know, in the spirit. You're living in the physical. And so he will make sure that his presence is so practical to you so that you can become aware of it regardless of your geographical location. Have you ever heard a preacher say, I feel the presence of God? You see, if you've never experienced the practicality of God's presence, that phrase or that sentence can throw you off. Because, you see, if you don't experience the practicality of God's presence, you'll never be aware of it. And that's why you can be in a, in a meeting where the preacher says, I feel the presence of God, I feel the glory of God, I feel like God is here. And, and, and because you've never experienced the practicality of his presence, you'll get lost in that statement or in that phrase. You might even open your eyes so wide 
to try and see where this presence is because you don't really understand you know, the practicality of his presence. But you see, his presence is so practical. If you can just open your heart and your spirit, you will come to a place where you'll be aware of God's presence regardless of where you are. Now, you're not the only one. If you are in that category, you know, of people who don't really understand the presence of God, we see somebody in the Bible who was in the presence of God, but he was oblivious of it. In Genesis chapter 28, it gives us the story of a man by the name Jacob. He had just left his father's house after swindling his brother out of his blessing and is running away. He's never had an encounter with God because he was mama's boy. It was the mother that was doing everything for him. It was the mother that even positioned him to receive this blessing. Thank God for mothers. I say thank God for some mothers. They can be crazy, isn't it? And very cunning, isn't it? And so this guy was a mama's boy. You see, his brother, um, his brother Esau was this guy who used to go out there and hunt. You know, he was a skillful hunter. But, you know, Jacob stayed at home. He was always around his mother. And so when the mother heard that the father was about to release a blessing to Esau, she decided because this guy, you know, I, I, I'm thinking maybe the mother thought if she doesn't help Jacob because he was not a fighter, he was not a hunter, you know, he didn't look, he didn't look like he can go anywhere. You see, when Esau was born, he looked different. Esau was hairy all over the place. The way he looked, you could tell that this guy is going somewhere. There are people when you look at them, you can tell they are going somewhere. Isn't it? The guy was hairy all over the place. From the top of his head to the sole of his feet, he was full of hair. Somebody say hair. Yeah. Say again, hair. Yeah. So he was very, very hairy. I feel tempted to ask ladies, do you like a hairy man or a man who doesn't have hair all over his body? I'm tempted. The ladies have not answered me, so let me continue with my message. But I have a feeling I have an answer. And so, 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 so Jacob's mother decided, let me help this guy, because if I don't help him, he, he doesn't look like he can amount to anything. And of course, she prepared something good, a venison for the husband, and presented Jacob to the husband who was Isaac, and he released a blessing on him. And so Jacob runs away because the brother was furious that he stole his um, blessing. And as he's running away, in Genesis chapter 28, he's running away, you know, he, he encounters the presence of God. But he was not aware that that was the presence of God. You see, God appeared to him in verse 10. If you can give me that verse, verse 10, Genesis chapter 28. <coughs> Excuse me. Now Jacob went out from Bathsheba and went toward Haran, verse 11. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head. And he lay down in that place to sleep, verse 12. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending, and he's in a place where there is angelic traffic. 
where something spiritual is taking place. Angels are descending and ascending. There's a ladder that connects that location with the heaven. I, I'm sure you want to be in such a place, isn't it? And then, behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. God begins to speak to him in the dream. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south, and in you and in all your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. It's the same, same promise that God gave to Abraham, who is his grandfather. Behold, I am with you. He's having a powerful time, a powerful time in the presence of God. Behold, I am with you, and I'll keep you wherever you go and bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Verse 16. Are you with me, somebody? Then Jacob awoke from his sleep. And look at what he said. And he said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. When he woke up, he realized, hey, I was in the presence of God. God was here. His presence was here. But I was oblivious of it. So there are many people who are like Jacob. They can be in the presence of God, but they don't, they are not actually aware that they are in the presence of God. And that's why I say the presence of God is practical. God, uh, God wants to release his presence in your life, in this physical world that we live in, so that you can become aware of it, so that you can know when the presence of God is around you or not. Amen. So it's my prayer, you'll be aware of his presence. You'll not be like Jacob who said, God was here and I did not know it. His presence was here and I did not know it. He was honest. He confessed and he said, hey, God was here. I heard his voice. I saw the angels. I, I was in the dream and his presence was here, but I did not know it. You see, Jacob was still a rookie because this was the first time that God was actually appearing to him. You know, God had not appeared to him yet. This was the first time that God was appearing to him, and that's why you can tell that he was not aware of God's presence. Now, to understand, can we go deeper? To understand the practicality of God's presence requires that you become a spiritual amphibian. For you to understand the practicality of God's presence, it requires that you become a spiritual amphibian. Amphibians are simply multicellular vertebrates that live both on land and on water. For those who remember their biology. How many did biology? Lift up your hand. You did biology. Please, it's not a spiritual question. It's just an ordinary question. You did biology. Lift up your hand. Stretch your hand high. You did biology. Amazing. But at some point it was compulsory. So the ones who are not lifting up their hands, I'm surprised. Ask your neighbor, did you go to school? <laughs> huh? If you didn't go to school, you need to, take you, you need to take yourself back to school. Knowledge is important. All right, let me ask the question again. How many did biology? Beautiful. How many got an A? All the hands went down. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, we are still 
trying. <laughs> anyway, amphibians are like frogs. You've ever met a frog, isn't it? Or toads. They can live on land, and they can also live in water. So if you're going to understand the practicality of God's presence, you must become a spiritual amphibian, which simply means that you must be a spirit being who is able to experience the presence of God while you are still living here on earth. You are spiritual, yes, because you are a spirit being, but in your day-to-day -day activities, you have the capacity, you have the sensitivity, and you have the discernment of experiencing the presence of God. You have the ability to be aware of God's presence as you live here on earth. You see, it is important for you to give God the first. And it's very important. When you wake up in the morning, give God the first. You begin by praying, you know, and asking God to be with you, to go with you, to direct you. It is also important to give God the last. That means before you sleep, thank God for protecting you, for providing for you before you go to bed. Whisper a prayer to God. But also it's important for you to be aware of God in between the first and the last. In between morning and before you go to bed. It is important for you to still be aware of God's presence in and around you. So that means after you pray in the morning, you know, you don't shut the presence of God out of your day-to-day -day activity. You still remain aware and sensitive to God's presence regardless of what you do for living. So that means as a shopkeeper, as you're selling, you can still be aware of God's presence around you. As a marketer, you can still be aware of God's presence around you. As a doctor, as you're injecting a patient, you can still be aware of God's presence around you. You are spirit, you are a spirit being, yet in the physical, you can still experience the practicality of God's presence regardless of your geographical location. I wish I had a witness in this house. As a CEO, you can still be aware of God's presence. As a driver, you can still be aware of God's presence. As a father or a mother, you can still be aware of God's presence. As a mechanic, you can still be aware of God's presence. So regardless of what you do, because the presence of God is practical, God wants to be with you all the time in your leisures and in your labors. Can I get an amen in this house? Regardless of where you are, he wants you to experience his presence. So touch your neighbor and tell them, I am a carrier of God's presence. They didn't hear you touch another neighbor and tell them, I am a carrier of God's presence. Hallelujah. So don't just experience the presence of God in the morning during morning glory. Carry that presence to the office. Talk to me, somebody. Carry that presence to the flight. Carry that presence to the market. Carry that presence to your shop. Carry that presence to your business premise. Carry that presence everywhere you go. Carry that presence to the matatu as you're traveling, going to your office. Carry the presence of God everywhere you go because his presence is practical. Hallelujah. In other words, God wants his presence to permeate everything that you do. God wants his presence to infuse you 
in a way that everything that you do is influenced by the awareness of his presence in and around you. Do you realize that when you're aware of God's presence, you stop being crazy? Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, neighbor, sometimes I'm a very crazy man. If you're a woman, you say, I'm a very crazy woman. But when you're aware of God's presence, it will keep you. It will guide you. It will, it will guide you. It will guard you. It will protect you. The presence of God in your life at all times will provide guidance and protection over your life because his presence is practical. Amen. You see, David acknowledged, not that one, this one in the Bible. David acknowledged the practicality of God's presence as the main factor behind his victory. Let me say that again. David acknowledged the practicality of God's presence as the main factor behind victory in his life. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 34 to verse 37, I want us to go there quickly, 1 Samuel chapter 17. He's standing, you know, before the king to try and convince him, to allow him to go and fight, you know, Goliath. Goliath had mocked the children of Israel. He was at the valley of Elah, mocking the children of Israel, 40 days, 40 nights, and nobody uh, dared to put up a fight against him. Saul was scared, you know, his soldiers were scared, the brothers of David were scared as well, and David comes into a setting that is saturated with fear. He comes into a setting, you know, that is saturated with, uh, uh, with a lot of anxiety. There was a stalemate between you know, the Philistines and the Israelites because Goliath said, if you give me a man, because we, need, we don't need to fight all of us. Let's, let's spare the, the, the expenses of this war. Just bring one person. If I defeat him, you become our servants. If he defeats me, then we become your servants. And nobody dared to put up a fight against Goliath. And David comes, you know, to this situation. And he begins to talk about how he can be able to defeat you know, Goliath. And there's one thing that he mentioned that guaranteed him victory in the past. And he knew that thing is still with him and it was going to guarantee his victory against Goliath. Look at what he said in verse 34. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock. What happened? Verse 35. I went after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Up to that point, you will think that David is a very strong guy. You will think that David is very skillful. He's able to kill a lion and he's able to kill a bear. Then David says... But look at your neighbor and tell them that's not the end of the story. David says in verse 36, your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Up to there, you want to celebrate David. In fact, if you haven't seen David, you will think he's a big guy 
with biceps and myceps and triceps. And, 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 and he, he has this such imposing physique that intimidates lions and bears. That's what you would think. But he didn't stand there. He didn't stop there. Look at verse 37. Moreover, somebody say moreover. In other words, in addition to what I've said, if I stop there, you would think it is me. But I want you to know it is not me. It is not by power. It is not by might. I want you to understand that the presence of God is practical. That God can actually use his presence to guarantee you victory. Look at what he says. Moreover, David says, the Lord who delivered me. Talk to me, somebody. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and may the presence of God be with you. May God be with you. Because I've realized it was not your spear. It was not your military precision that enabled you to kill the lion and the bear. It was the presence of God. Oh, glory to God. It was the presence of God. Because when I look at you, David, you're a tiny boy. A lion will just eat you in a split of a second. But there was something extra with you. It was the presence of God. Hallelujah. You need the presence of God for for, for, for solving some of the challenges you are faced with. You need the presence of God so that when you go for that interview, God can empower you to secure that job. You need the presence of God in the battles that you are being faced with every single day of your life. Can I let you know that there is a Goliath around the corner? There is a Goliath lurking around the corner. It is the presence of God that will make a difference in your life. Can I hear an amen in this house? His presence is so practical that God does not just want you to feel good and have goosebumps. You know, in the presence of God comes, we feel good, isn't it? You have goosebumps, you feel good. Sometimes you even pass out, isn't it? But look at your neighbor and tell them that is not enough. His presence is practical. God wants his presence to give you victory. God wants his presence to give you peace and joy. God wants his presence to make a way for you where there is no way. God wants his presence to be so practical in your life that when you are told to testify, you will say, moreover, the same God, his presence that was with me in the past and gave me victory in the past is the same presence with me today. And that very presence is going to give me victory. Can I get an amen in this house? Slap somebody and tell them you need his presence. Because his presence is practical. Do you understand what I'm, I'm saying this morning? His presence is practical. Go with the presence of God. Hallelujah. When things are thick, invoke the presence of God. When there is a stalemate in your life, stalemate in your company, stalemate in your business, sometimes even a stalemate in your marriage, invite the presence of God. Hallelujah. Invite the presence of God. Can I hear an amen? amen. And I want, how many are married here? Lift up your hand if you're married and you're proud. 
to be married. Beautiful. Sometimes when there's tension, just play worship music and see what will happen. The atmosphere will change. Mm-hmm. Talk to me. You're very quiet. It's because you think it cannot work. You try it and see. Play nice worship music. Invite the presence of God in your house. You will see. Tension will be diffused. Anger will go. Because everywhere God is invited, he brings transformation. Everywhere his presence is available, things begin to change. Lift your hand and say, Lord, release your presence upon my life. Number four, God's presence is peaceful. God's presence is peaceful. God's presence introduces peace in our lives. There are words like stress, depression, worry, anxiety, and even fear that have become the norm of our society today. People are stressed. People are afraid. People are worried. Isn't it? Even the prayer warriors are worried. People are worried. Thinking about economy, thinking about the future, thinking about what's going to happen. People are worried. People are stressed out. People are afraid. These things have become a norm in our society today. I'm even surprised that even teenagers are saying I'm stressed. Me, when I was a teen, I can't remember that word. My mother is stressing me. My father is stressing me. Schoolwork is stressing me. As I don't remember us using that word. As we just used to say, we are tired. <laughs> tired, hungry, sleepy. I'm sleepy, I am tired, I am hungry. That's it. But this generation, a child as young as 10, tells you I'm stressed out. I am depressed. Really at 10? You can use such a word, I am depressed. In our age, I can't remember when I was 10 using even the word I'm depressed. Huh? I have a mind freeze. Mind freeze. What is mind freeze? Mind freeze. I can't remember, you know, when I was young using such words. But that thing, or these words, or these um, challenges have become so real and they are part and parcel of our society today. But I want you to understand something, that God does not want us to live under stress, anxiety, worry, and depression. It is not God's plan and purpose for your life. Because those things are not good for your mind. And they are not good for your health as well. It is not God's plan for you to stay awake the entire night. Worried over things you cannot change. Worried over situations you cannot change. It's not the plan of God over your life. Oh my goodness. Even the immense are far in between. Because people are stressed that they can't say amen. Ask your neighbor for me, are you stressed? What did they say? Huh? No. <laughs> 
So God wants us to be free from anxiety. God wants us to be free from stress. God wants us to be free from fear. Amen. The Bible says even God has not given us the spirit of fear. So if you are plagued with fear, I want you to know that it doesn't come from God. It comes from another source. And that source is not God. Hallelujah. So his presence in our lives introduces peace in our hearts. His presence in our lives introduces peace in our minds. We need peace. I treasure peace. I love peace. I want peace. I want peace in my house. I want peace in my marriage. I want peace in my heart. I want peace in my mind. Maybe I'm the only one. Do you want peace in your house? In your heart? In your mind? If your neighbor is not saying yes, lay your hands on them and speak peace in their lives right now. In the name of Jesus. Yes, we need peace. All of us need peace. Sometimes you're not happy, but you thank God for peace. His presence introduces peace in our lives because his presence is peaceful. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 to 24. Very powerful scripture here that I want us to, uh, to see here. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 to 24. We are seeing a very interesting situation here. The Bible says immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. Verse 23. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Sometimes you pray with people, sometimes you pray alone. You will not just pray with people all, you will not just pray with people all the time. Sometimes you pray with people, sometimes you pray alone. And Jesus is teaching us that principle here. Now, when evening came, he was alone there. Jesus was alone in the mountain. The disciples are trying to cross over to the other side. Verse 24, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. The wind was against them. Sometimes life is against you. Sometimes the winds of life are against you. Sometimes the storm is against you. Sometimes the tide is against you. And these guys are trying to go to the other side, obeying the word of Jesus. You know, sometimes people think that when things are against you, it's because you're walking in disobedience. They were obeying the instruction that Jesus gave them to go over to the other side, but the wind was against them. It's like the wind didn't hear the instruction from Jesus. Because if the wind had the instruction from Jesus, it could not have been against them. When Jesus was giving them instructions, the wind was not there. And so the wind is trying to resist them from going to the other side. Because when you read later on, you realize the reason why they went to the other side. Things were going to happen on the other side. Now in the fourth watch, they're still struggling, man. In the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. Now, Jesus is walking and is able to catch up with them, yet they were using the boat. That means they were really struggling. Look at your neighbor and tell them, it's not what you use. It's who is with you that determines how fast you move. Oh, yes. They were with the boat trying to roll to get to the other side. 
And they even went without Jesus. They started the journey without Jesus. And Jesus comes walking on the water and is still caught up with them. That's how powerful the presence of God is. The presence of God gives you acceleration. Hallelujah. I prophesy over somebody here who feels stuck. That as the presence of God comes upon you, you will, you will move faster. You will even overtake some of the people who started before you in the name of Jesus. Receive that prophetic word in Jesus' name. Lift your hand and say, I receive it. Oh, yes. He caught up with them and they are still struggling. I mean, they are crying. Their life is in danger. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out, for what? For fear. They were afraid. And these were men. When men are afraid, I don't know what women will do. They cry out in fear. That's why me in my house, I don't show people fear. Even when I am afraid, I swallow the fear. I tell it, go to the stomach and wait for me. I'll deal with you later. If you are a man in the house and you are afraid, what will your wife do? What will your children do? You must just show them that you are in control. Even when you know you are not, just tell them I, I'm in control. But there is another level. You have to cry out as well. <laughs> because these guys knew they were going to die. They're trying to roll to get to the other side. It's not working. And then they see somebody walking on the water towards them. Something they have never seen before. Remember, most of them were fishermen. Peter was a fisherman. He's been in the waters for so many years. This is something he had never seen before. And Jesus is walking. And remember, it was not during the day. You know, there's the way darkness interferes with your vision. <laughs> Isn't it true? Have you ever been walking and then you felt like somebody was following you at night? And you started running. And you ran, 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 ran. Then you reach somewhere and say, wait a minute. Why am I running? Then you stop and check to see if somebody was following you and you discover nobody was following you. Because at night, I'm telling you, darkness interferes with your perception. And so it was at night. They are struggling. The wind is against them. The storm is raging. The water is turbulent. And they were afraid. But immediately, verse 27, Jesus spoke to them saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be. I'm thinking that was even worse. What do you think? You are not sure if this is Jesus? You are almost dying. It is at night. It is a ghost. And the ghost is speaking to you. I'm telling you, some of you will jump out of that boat. He said, it is I. Do not be afraid. Verse 28, what happened? And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if 
I, I'm not sure. I, I can recognize the voice, but you are a ghost. If it is you, you can see he was also not sure. Because it was at night. If it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Verse 29. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on water to go to Jesus. The same thing that was threatening their lives, Jesus, uh, Peter was able to walk on it. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down, okay, move to verse 30. Uh, but when he saw that the wind, look at that. He got out and started walking. Then he looked at the wind. It was boisterous. Fear the second time struck his heart. And beginning to sink again, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. Then verse 30. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Then verse 32. And when they had got into the boat, what happened to the wind? The wind ceased. Why did the wind cease? Because of the presence of Jesus. The wind did not cease because he didn't want to kill Peter. The wind ceased because of the presence of Jesus. Can I get an amen? Three things we see here. I want to throw them to you. The turbulence of the sea. There was the wind. Number two, the turbulence in the boat. They were crying out for fear of death. Then the turbulence in Peter's mind. He saw how the wind was boisterous. And the Bible says he doubted and he started sinking. But Jesus' presence over this stormy sea made the difference. He walked over it. He empowered Peter to walk over it. Not once, but twice. And by the time they got into the boat, the wind was still. The storm was still. The sea was still. Everything calmed down because God's presence is peaceful. Peaceful. I don't have time to share another story in Mark chapter 4, verse 34 to 39. Jesus now is in the boat with the disciples. And then there is this raging storm and Jesus is asleep. Because when you're, in the, when, 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 you're, when you're when you're in the presence of God, no matter how harsh or severe the turbulence is, you can still sleep. Did you hear what I said? When you're in the presence of God, no matter how severe the storm is, you can still sleep. We, we don't only sleep when there is no storm. When you have the presence of God, even in the middle of a storm, you can still have your sleep. Even in the middle of the storm, you can still have your cake and eat it. Because the presence of God defies the storm. Oh, glory to God. The presence of God defies the turbulences around us. When you have the presence of God with you, it brings the peace of God in your heart and in your mind. The reason why you can't sleep at night is because you have not invited God's presence with you. Jesus was in the boat and the sea was raging, the wind was blowing and he was asleep. And the disciples, because they were awake, they had to wake him up and say, Master, don't you care that we are perishing? We are dying. The water is boisterous. 
The wind is blowing. And Jesus stood up and he spoke to the storm, spoke to the turbulent sea, and he said, peace, be still. When the presence of God comes into your life, that presence will begin to speak over every stormy situation in your life. That presence will begin to speak over every turbulence in your life. And, and, and that presence will say, peace, be still. Hallelujah. I don't know what you're going through today. Some of you are not sleeping very well. Some of you are stressed. Some of you are plagued with anxiety left, right, and center. But this morning, I came to introduce the presence of God in your life. If you can allow the presence of God to fill your heart, to fill your mind, to fill your life, to fill your house, I'm telling you, you're going to sleep soundly like a small little baby. Can I hear an amen in this house? I speak the peace of God in your situation. I speak the peace of God in your life. As the presence of God envelops you, may it come with the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding. May it guard your heart and your mind. Somebody shout a louder amen in this house. Look at your neighbor. Give them high five and tell them, receive the peace of God that comes from the presence of God. My goodness, I wish I had time. Look at what the Bible says in verse 39 to 49. Then Jesus arose and he rebuked the wind. And he said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. Great calm. Then he asked the disciples, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be? That even the wind, my goodness, and the sea obey him. You see, can I preach? You see, the wind did not respect Peter. The turbulence did not respect Peter. And the disciples, that's why they were crammed up in this boat and they were crying out. But the moment the wind heard the voice of Jesus, when Jesus said, come, the wind had to allow, and the sea had to allow Peter to walk over it. Who is this that even the sea and the wind obey him? When the presence of God is in your life, the storm will obey you. Who am I preaching to in this house? The wind that is raging will obey you. When you speak to it, it will hear your voice, and it will obey you. That storm, that is stubborn, that wind that is stubborn in your life, in your family, I want to encourage you to invite the presence of God in your life. When the presence of God fills you up and you open your mouth and speak to that storm, it will obey you. This week I prophesy every storm, it will die down. Every wind will cease. Every turbulence, may it stop in the name of Jesus. As you raise your voice to speak to it, the wind will cease. The raging storm will cease. Shout a louder amen in this house. Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, neighbor, that wind will cease. That storm will cease. That raging sea will be calmed by the presence of God. 
Sit down, number five, the last one. God's presence is powerful. God's presence is powerful. When we're in America, you'll be there in Jesus' name. A friend of ours took us, we went to Seattle, and a friend of ours took us to Boeing, Everett Factory. Boeing is the name of a person who actually invented that type of plane. And he took us to that factory, you know, where they manufacture Boeing 767, 777, 747, 787, Dreamliners. In fact, there's a new one that is coming very long, very big, amazing. I saw it. I'm just saying I saw it. You don't want to celebrate me. I, 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 I saw it. Big, massive. Hallelujah. If you've never used a plane, I pray for you today. May you use a plane in the name of Jesus. And so we went to this factory, and they are saying it's on the list of the largest building in the world by square footage. I mean, the thing is long. Because they, they, they store aircrafts inside there. They manufacture, actually, aircrafts inside there, and they store some parts there. You know, the, the, the plane is so big. You know, some of you look at it when it is up there, and you think it's a very small thing. A plane is a very big thing. The wing of a plane is so long. It's so long. The fuselage is so huge. It's massive. In fact, if you're in an Airbus, you'll be surprised. It's so wide, and it's so big. An aeroplane is just something else. I remember we took a picture next to the vertical stabilizer that is behind. You see that vertical piece of metal that is behind the plane? It is called a vertical stabilizer. It stabilizes the plane. The plane is there. That's why you see when the plane is landing, it keeps on moving. It's not a decoration. Tell your neighbor now you know. We went and stood next to one of them, Pastor Mary and I, and we took a picture. When I looked at the picture, I was surprised. We looked like tiny dots standing in front of that massive, you know, stabilizer. But what fascinates me about planes is the engine. The engine of a plane has so much power. It has the ability to thrust and lift a plane that is 175,000 pounds, which is almost 80,000 kilograms, and it can keep that weight in the air for hours. That's how powerful the engine of a plane is. You know, some of you don't understand what I'm talking about. Try and carry somebody for just 10 minutes. Will you be tired? I'm sure you will, or you will not. Huh? Pastor Daido, come. <laughs> Who is the heaviest guy here? Harry. Pastor Daido, come, 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 come up here. Harry, come. I want you to try and carry this man, and we're going to count. Please encourage Pastor Daido. 
carry him on your back? Or how do you want to carry him? Why are you scared? You will not fall down. He's scared. Okay, you carry him then. For how long can you carry him? Are you sure? You don't feel the weight? Can you carry him the whole day without putting him down? Yeah? We should just leave him. Let's continue preaching. Because he's, he's trying to prove that he's a very strong man. We can even finish the service and, and, and leave the... Are you getting tired? Or not yet? Let's add another person. Because you look like... No, 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 no. Keep, keep carrying him. Are you tired already? Eh? No, we want to add so that we see how strong you are. Who should we add? Pastor Mogo, come. So use one hand to carry Pastor Daido, and then another one you carry Pastor Mogo. Let's see how many minutes he will last. He's even removing his jacket. Hey, he's daring us. What happened? You are almost somersaulting, man. But you see, when we add weight, how, how many kilograms do you weigh? 81. And you? This is 81 plus 63. Huh? That's 144. Maybe we should have tried Amara because it lifts weight. Amara, come. I think Amara should leave the three. Huh? He's trying to calculate what he can do. So how many cages do you weigh? Hey. But this one is it's close, isn't it? You can try this one. Come, come, come. Let's see. Let him try. Let's try and see. Can we appreciate them? <laughs> Harry is so scared. So you can see, you can lift, yes. But for you to actually sustain that weight in the air for many hours is a challenge. But you can see that the engine of a plane can carry 80,000 
kilograms and sustain that weight in the air for 15 hours, 13 hours, I mean 20 hours up there because it's a very powerful, powerful gadget. But even this power in a plane is limited because at some point the plane has to come down. Isn't it true? It can't stay up there. It has to do what? It has to come down. Now, I want you to know that the presence of God has unlimited power. The presence of God has unlimited power. Say that with me. The presence of God has unlimited power. <coughs> In other words, when you step into the presence of God, you have stepped into an arena of power. The presence of God is God's current to unlock the supernatural in our lives. His, his presence is so powerful that weak things become strong. Sick things, when they step into his presence, they become healed. Broken things, when they, were, when they are dragged into the presence of God, they become whole. The presence of God is powerful. The presence of God can do what doctors thought can never be done. That's why you go to a doctor and he will be flabbergasted. You go like, whoa, whoa, what happened? Where did you go? Who did you see? Because according to the medical report, you know, the disease is not supposed to be healed. But the presence of God, because it's powerful, heals that disease. That's how powerful the presence of God is. Hallelujah. The presence of God can take somebody who is a non-entity and makes them a significant person in his generation. That's how powerful the presence of God is. The presence of God breaks addictions. The presence of God destroys, you know, bad habits. The presence of God empowers you to live a victorious life. That is how powerful the presence of God is. The presence of God changes lives. That's why you meet with somebody and he tells, he asks you, did you stop drinking? You say yes. Did you stop smoking? You say yes. Did you stop abusing people? You say yes. Did you stop fighting? You say yes. And they say, wow, what happened? Is the power of God's presence in our lives. Look at your neighbor and tell them, I'm a product of God's presence. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 8, verse 28. My last scripture and then we pray. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 28, Matthew, give me Matthew, 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 Matthew. When he had come, Jesus, to the other side, to the country of the Gadassins, there met him two demon-possessed demon possessed men coming out of the tombs, exceedingly fierce, so that no one could pass that way. They even possessed a region, you know, and suddenly they cried out saying, what have we to do with you, Jesus? The moment Jesus showed up and his presence showed up in that region, the demons began to react. What have we to do with you, Jesus, you son of God? Have you come here to torment us before our time? Verse 28. Now, a good way off from them, there was a herd of many swine feeding. So the demons begged him. Look, because of the presence of God, the demons are begging Jesus. They begged him, saying, if you cast us, if you cast us out, permit us to go away into the herd of swine. Verse 32. And he said to them, go. So they had come. So when they had come out, they went into the herd of swine, and suddenly the whole herd of swine ran violently down the steep place into the sea and perished in the water. 
simply because of the presence. Then those who kept them fled and they went away into the city and told everything, including what had happened to the demon-possessed man. Verse 34. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus because this is something that they had never seen before. I mean, two guys prevented the entire city from using a particular road. In our days, we call them Konambaya, isn't it? There was a Konambaya in those days, possessed by two guys. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they begged him to depart from their region because they'd never seen something like that, you know? And so he got into a boat crossover and came to his own city. That's how powerful the presence of God. People who were left to their own devices, demon-possessed. Nobody could liberate them. Nobody could set them free, you know? Nobody could um, unchain them from the shackles of demonic affliction over their lives. When Jesus stepped into that region and his presence was felt on the ground, demons began to react. That's how powerful the presence of God is. Hallelujah. You see, when there's the presence of God in your house, demons can never survive in your house. When there's the presence of God in your life, demons can never surround you. They can never come inside you. Hallelujah. And that's why I, mean, I don't believe on, you know, uh, delivering the same person every day. Every day you are the one being delivered. Every day, every day you are the one who is rolling, 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 passing out, passing out, mucus coming out of your nose, tears out of your eyes, every day, every day, every day, every day. Even the ashes have marked you. Towards the end of the service, they begin to position themselves because they know, here we go. He's a, he's, he or she is about to manifest. It's not supposed to be like that. Hallelujah. We can't be praying for demons to live your life every day. It is not right. It is not a mark of maturity. It is a, it is a mark of immaturity. After demons leave, something else should fill you. And that's the presence of God. So when those demons try to come back, they find that the doors are closed. Access denied because you belong to Jesus. Hallelujah. I know some of you have come to this church for a while and you say, how comes this church does not have demons? Yes, we don't have demons. We chase them out. Now we are filling our lives with the presence, power, and the word of God. Hallelujah. Does it mean that when demons are there, they will not manifest? No. When they are there, we will cast them out. But what I'm trying to say is we can't be casting demons out of your life every day. Tuesday, we are casting it out. Morning glory, we are casting it out. Uh, Friday, we are casting demons out of you. Uh, Sunday, we are casting demons out of you. I mean, it's not supposed to be like that. After demons leave, the presence shall fill you. The presence of God shall fill you. So that when demons try to come back to inhabit you, they find that the house is occupied by Jesus. Can I hear an amen? amen? May the presence of God cover you. May the presence of God surround you. May the presence of God saturate every part of your being. Your house, your children, your marriage, every facet of your life. May it be saturated with the presence of God. May the presence of God break every chain of the enemy. Every shackle of the enemy. May you be delivered from the affliction of demonic uh, oppression over your life. May you be set free by the presence of God. Please stand to your feet, raise up your hands.
and tell God to release his presence over your life this morning in the name of Jesus. His presence is peaceful. His presence is practical. His presence is powerful. Tell God, release your presence over my life this morning. May his presence cover you. May his presence surround you. May his presence saturate your life. Let every part of your being be filled with the presence of God. Yes. I wish you can raise your voice. And just tell God, release your presence. Release your presence. Release your presence. Over my life. Over my house. Over my children. Over my marriage. Release your presence. Over relationships, Over our businesses, God. Release your presence, God. In the name of Jesus. I need your presence. Oh, Father, we need. I need your presence. I'm hungry for your presence. I'm thirsty for your presence. In our walk, Father, we need your presence, God. Oh, in our relationships, God. We need your presence, oh, Father, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, God. Oh, Father, let your presence come upon our lives, God. Let your presence fill us, God. Let your presence, God, go with us, God. Release your presence, God, upon our children, God. Release your presence, God, upon our business. Release your presence, God, in our homes, God. In our business, God. In our ventures, God. In the name of Jesus Christ, God. Release your presence, God. Everybody lift up your hands. And say with me, Father, Father, let your presence, let your presence fill my life, fill my life, fill my home, fill my home, fill my marriage, fill my marriage, fill my entire life, fill my entire life. Let your presence, let your presence be all around me, be all around me. Everywhere I go, everywhere I go, everything I do. Everything I do. May I operate under your presence. May I operate under your presence. Like oil. Like oil. Smear your presence. Smear your presence. All over me today. All over me today. Stretch your hands and say, Father. Father. I receive. I receive. The impartation. The impartation. Of your presence. Of your presence. In my life. In my life. Father. Father. I receive. I receive. The impartation. The impartation. Of your presence. Of your presence. Over my life. Over my life. May I walk with your presence. May I walk with your presence. May I sleep with your presence. May I sleep with your presence. May I walk 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 with your presence. May I move with your presence. May I move with your presence. In my profession. In my profession. May I be with your presence. May I be with your presence. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Clap your hands and shout aloud, Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can now get in touch with Dr. Dazutechero on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.